Friday, September 29th on the Just Baseball Show. That's Arm Lane and I'm Peter Apple. Apologies for a slightly later show. Had a bit of a scheduling conflict on Thursday. So we're recording the morning of Friday. And Arm, we have a loaded show. We are, and we said a pre-recording, we are a daily podcast. We we do the show Monday through Friday. And this is the perfect time to be doing a daily podcast because the wild card race continues to blow everybody's head off. We're going to go through the American League, the National League. We're going to talk about a couple of teams that have clinched already their road to get their division crowns. And then we're going to end with the minor league hitter of the year and the minor league pitcher of the year. And we have to talk about those Norfolk. I, what Norfolk who? The Tides. The, the Tides. tides. I, I got to be better because this is the Just Baseball Show and it's brought to you by BetMGM. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code Just Baseball. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 or older. Terms and conditions apply. Arm, I got the standings right in front of me, and we had this list of what we were going to go through, but I think a more organic conversation is just to pull up the standings and divulge into each team and and where they're currently at right now. We got to go through tiebreaker rules. There's a lot of complicated stuff right now, but we'll start in the American League. The Rays are already in there. But the Blue Jays didn't have that great of a series against the Yankees. They're still one game up, but the Mariners kept their season alive. And in terms of a tiebreaker, the Mariners own the head-to-head tiebreaker for a playoff spot with the Astros or the Blue Jays. That's big. So the, so the Blue Jays really have to win here, but they got dominated by Garrett Cole. They lost the series to the Yankees. But Chris Bassett kept them in the game. Yep. And luckily on the other side, it was a Luke Weaver disaster class. Yeah, they salvaged that last game, which was huge to be able to do that. Also, I don't want to talk about the Yankees, but Garrett Cole, I got to admire I mean, he's clinched the Cy Young. That guy just he's such a competitor. They're playing for nothing. He's going out there and just shoving and just saying, fuck your playoff hopes. That was that was fun to watch. But the big, big salvage win there for the Blue Jays to keep one game up on the Astros for the second spot. Uh, but I don't know if if you could have you could come up with a bigger pro, like playoff probability swing of a win than what Seattle did to, to win that last game last night because you lose that to Texas you're 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 pretty much screwed. I mean, you're you're on the outside looking in praying for a miracle. Now, with the tiebreakers in your favor as you mentioned, you're one game out. You're two games behind Toronto, one game behind Houston, and with the tiebreakers, 
it's very possible, right? You either win three out of three and they win two out of three, or you win two out of three and they drop two out of three uh, in this final series. And we'll talk about the matchups that everybody has going into this final series. But man, you could just see how amped Seattle was when they walked that off. I mean, it seemed like they were cooked and you could tell how bad they want it. And I mean, JP Crawford, that was the most emotion I've seen out of him. He ripped like a let's fucking go right into the mic, <laughs> which is hilarious. And he um, signed the camera after yeah, that. Yeah, like, so and that was a playoff win. That was that a was playoff a, win. That was an absolute playoff win. So basically what happened is the Rangers get an early lead. They win through the first five because Jordan Montgomery continues to dominate this Mariners roster. We were going over it on our betting stream. And I was like, as much as I want the Mariners to win, because I'm invested in their over 87 and a half win total. We got Jamon on the other side. Logan Gilbert is a favorite. He should not be the favorite. So I was like, I would take Texas through the first five, but you have to worry about that bullpen. And that's exactly what happened in the ninth inning. A Roldis Chapman comes up and he is rocking a 675 ERA in the month of September. Eight innings, six earned run in this game. Another two earned runs add, added to that total. So you get a guy on Cal Raleigh, of course, who else starts the rally? Then another base hit, then a wild pitch, then a tie France walk, then two quick outs, and then JP Crawford comes to the plate. I love that the Mariners won. Evan Carter should have caught that. There. Yeah. Evan Carter should have caught that. But I'm glad he did it. It's wild seeing. And, you know, it's it's like those are the kind of things that where, you know, it's a tough catch to make. And, you know, those are the catches you got to make to to seal things. You're seeing Pete Crow Armstrong. We talked about that. And we're going to talk about the National League side. and Evan Carter, and I'm pro like call up prospects. Evan Carter has been awesome, but it's also been wild. Like we haven't seen young guys thrown into this kind of position much in, in, in history. Like you can, you can go talk about Miguel Cabrera with the Marlins and getting called, but he was called up for the final 70 games of the regular season. And, and that's a generational talent. And the Marlins didn't know they were going to make the playoffs when he was called up. It was, they were not playing great ball. They were just starting to turn the tides and they said, screw it. Um, it's been wild seeing all these young guys out there. It's great. And some of them have been huge spark plugs, Evan Carter included. But, you know, every once in a while, you see some of those things seep through. That said, there was a ball Ian Happ should have caught. There's a ball say yep. Suzuki should have caught. It's amazing how, you know, I think those things happen throughout the season. But you don't care when it's like, oh, we could have caught that in game 72 of the season. Yep. But now where every bounce matters, every ball in play is so magnified. This is why playoff baseball is awesome. That's why I'm calling it playoff baseball right now, because we've got that magnification on every single play. And this is exactly what Major League Baseball was envisioning when they expanded the wild card. I think this is like this is a dream come true. I got to say, like, I'm, sometimes baseball is frustrating with the rules. Rob Manfred's frustrating. But in terms of the pace of play, in terms of this expanded playoffs, I think everything has gone pretty well to get people interested and invested and I mean, I've been as invested in these wild card races on both sides as as I've been in a while. Absolutely, as I've been in a while too. So when we break down what these teams need to do to get in, so in terms of the standings, Tampa Bay Rays have a ten game lead. They're in. They've already clinched. Toronto Blue Jays have a one game lead, but now they are going to play the Rays in a three game series. And the Rays are already tough to beat in their own right. I don't know how hard they're going to be playing because they already clinched a spot. But the Blue Jays 
have struggled a ton this season against AL East opponents. So even if the Rays don't give the Blue Jays their best shot, it's still not an easy road for them, and they don't own the tiebreaker. Now, for the Mariners, they finish up this four-game set. They have three games left. It's Brian Wu tonight. It's Luis Castillo. And then it's George Kirby. They have to win at least two of those games, preferably three if they really want a shot here because the Rangers are already in. But the Mariners sit one game behind the Houston Astros, who are also definitely not out of it. But they face Zach Gallen. They face this Arizona team, who's also, and we'll get to the National League, but we'll stick on the American League side right now. So from what you've seen, because in the last 10 games, the Astros have been struggling a little bit, but they did play really well against the Mariners. They're four and six in their last 10. Seattle, five and five in their last 10. Toronto, six and four in their last 10. And the Yankees, I will say, I think are out of it. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. So th- this is interesting. So we you, you mentioned the Rays matchup and. There's something about like I, I I can imagine you know with how banged up they've been you know they they may not put all of their guys out at all times but I also think that there's a level of no matter who they put in that lineup those guys just seem to rake and they're gonna yep. get Yusei Kikuchi they're gonna get Hyunjin Ryu and then they're gonna get Kevin Gosman on on the final day it's it's probably not a bad you know three that you want I mean I think what ideal world you get you have Barrios Gosman and and maybe Bassett or Kikuchi. But not not a bad three here. Of course, you want to end the season with Kevin Gossman on the bump. Like that's the guy you ride or die with. But you know you're gonna hope that game. That game should almost surely matter. But there's a chance it doesn't because if you drop the first two and you don't have the tiebreaker, it could be too late. Where where are you at on on kind of who you feel best about? Because there's something about that galvanizing Mariners victory that's fascinating to me. Me too. And I think could just get them rolling. But again, we've just we've wanted to we should probably acknowledge our bias here. We've been trying so hard to drink the Mariners Kool-Aid pretty much any time they've given us a sliver. We've just taken it. Um, And and that's because we went into this year extremely high on them. I'll be honest, I am rooting for the Blue Jays just because of of Davis Schneider. And like I'm just now a Davis Schneider fan, which, by the way. No player in baseball has had more pitches called outside of the zone, a strike on him. This is by Codify than Davis Schneider. Bro's getting hosed. As I said on Twitter, do this to like Josh Donaldson instead. Why would you do it to like one of the best guys in, in the sport? Uh, I hate that. I know it's not intentional, but damn it. Um, it it's fascinating because now we, we get to fl- close the season off too, where the NL West isn't totally out of reach either. And that was the big part about this victory is, you know, they now have three more games, right? Where, where the Mariners are playing the Rangers, right? Yep, Which is exactly. not so. It's like, they, it's like they scripted it. It's it's as if they scripted it. It's a perfect script down the line. Brian Wu has a 20.25 ERA against the Texas Rangers. How many? Is it two starts? Tonight, two starts. The first got, one really fucked him. He is and that was also the one where, remember when I was gassing up Lou before yeah. his debut? I'm like, no one knows who he is. I'm telling you, this guy's good. And he's get, his first start, he's getting the Rangers. So like tread light and he got shelled. And everyone's like, yeah, or I'm hyping up another prospect. Here we go. He's been nailed since then. So hopefully they get a different Wu. I don't know how the second start was against him. 
not good either. And it's because <laughs> of the it's because of the matchup. Brian mm-hmm. Wu has a big issue against left-handed bats. And when you're yeah. facing a lineup, Marcus Simeon doesn't really care righty or lefty. So he's so the thing is with the with the Rangers and why it's such a tough matchup is they have so many prolific lefties. And then the righties in the lineup are also very good. That's what makes the Rangers so good is that their offense is so prolific. But you get Corey Seager, you get Nathaniel Lowe, Leody Tavares, Jonah Heim. Like there are a lot of really talented lefties that always yeah. seem to get to him. Now Evan Carter. <laughs> and now Evan Carter. I mean, it's more lefties than righties. And Evan Carter, we talked about him missing that fly ball in left field. He's hitting 300 since he's been raking, called up. Raking. So I want to say that the Mariners will do well here, especially when you got Castillo and you got Kirby and the Mariners are at home. And then this Texas Rangers bullpen has been so suspect. So if the Mariners can just keep it close, they can overcome the Rangers. But at the same time, though, the Astros still hold a one game lead. And while the Diamondbacks have been streaking and they've been playing really well, what team do you want when the laser beam is pointed at Earth with their backs against the wall? It'd be the Astros. Yeah, give me the team that's battle tested, of course. Luckily for the Mariners, they own the tiebreaker. So if it is close, they will be the team to get in. But the Blue Jays hold a one game lead over the Astros and the Astros hold a one game lead over the Mariners. So the Mariners so. basically have to win out here, but they're lucky because the Blue Jays struggle against the AL East and the Astros still have to deal with Gallon. I, I have a question for you, and you might not have the answer to this, and I wouldn't blame you because there's so many tiebreakers. What about the AL West tiebreaker? Do we know what that is? Because I'll buy you some time to look it up because here's the fascinating thing. Seattle's three games behind Texas. If they sweep, they, they obviously then take, you know, at least they may not take the first place spot because if Houston also sweeps, then they would be in first, but then they would overtake Texas in the in the wild card. But if they sweep and Houston drops two out of three, we'd have a three-way tie for the AL West. Yep. So which I got is very the- that's a very possible scenario. If you're the Mariners, you you gotta feel pretty good about, yeah, I know the Brian Wu matchup isn't great, as you as you point out, but even they're kind of been careful with him anyways. He's thrown a lot of innings. You kind of use that as like that's your A, you go A team bullpen there and bring all your best arms out from the fifth inning, sixth inning on. And then you've got Luis Castillo and you've got George Kirby. That's the way I want to close out this fucking season. That's the way I want to I want to close it out. So, I mean, it's not impossible for them to sweep. If they sweep, what's what's the three way tie procedure for the for the AL West? First answer to that, the Brian Wu matchup. I said it. It's a terrible matchup for him. According to our friends at BetMGM, the Mariners are favorites against Nathan Eovaldi. That's telling you something. That's telling you something. So here's the tiebreaker rules: the Rangers. In terms of the tiebreaker, if they were tied with the Blue Jays or the Mariners, because they're eight and two against the Mariners with three remaining, so they would own the tiebreaker there. But they would lose the tiebreaker to the Astros, who are up nine to four over them over this season. The Astros, again, would beat the Rangers, but the Astros would lose to the Blue Jays and the Mariners. And the Mariners would beat the Astros and the Blue Jays and would lose to none. So truly, the only team that if they went out, controls their own destiny, is the Seattle Mariners. The Rangers kind of need the Astros to plummet because if the Astros sweep out, 
that's the only reason. And if they lose too, that would be the only reason that they would lose because they would beat the Mariners. So if the Mariners beat them and the Astros sweep, the Rangers will be out of it. If the Astros, they can beat the Rangers, but they would lose to the Blue Jays and the Mariners. In the tiebreaker. In the tiebreaker. That's wild. It's wild. It's hard to kind of figure out if this team wins, if this team wins. Basically, the Mariners control their own destiny if they win. And if they lose, it's basically going to be the picture that we have right now, which is the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Astros. (laughs) So uh, to make sure I'm following properly, I'm sure everyone's like piecing it all together here. If if Seattle and Houston are tied in the wild, because I think this is the most likely scenario. Let's say Seattle takes two out of three in Texas. And let's say Houston goes one for th- one for three. So we have a tie between Seattle and Houston, the wild card. Texas still holds on to the the AL West. The Mariners would make it in. Mariners have the have the uh yes. tiebreaker there. Yes. Interesting. That is wild. So I, I think the most it, it's probably hard pressed for Seattle to take the division. Um, but at least there's one other possible path there, but realistically it's going to be out of the wild card is this is why, like, this is exactly what you want. Like you want people's brains in a blender trying to figure out all the scenarios. That's well, why let's, like, let's say this football too. Is so fun. Let's say this too. Let's say the Mariners overcome the Texas Rangers and the Astros do too. And let's say the blue Jays get beat up by the Rays. If the Blue Jays and the Mariners are tied, which is also a likely scenario, the Blue Jays are then out because the Mariners owe the tiebreaker over the Blue Jays. So the Blue Jays, while they are in technically the safest spot of all the teams that we're talking about, if they don't win two out of three to the Rays, they are in trouble. And that's no guarantee because we know how prolific this Rays offense has been against lefties. And we know how prolific the Rays have just been against the Blue Jays. Yep. So while the Rays not, might not be throwing all of their best arms, they're going to be hitting their best guys, and that might be enough. And you know they'd love to spoil it for for an AL East opponent. They'd love to. Exactly. Oh, they're the Rays. That's, I feel like that's what they live on. They, they thrive on that. So before we get to the National League wild card, as we sit here today, because we keep making new predictions, but <laughs> I think what I said at the very beginning was I still think it's going to be the Rays – I said the Blue Jays, and I said the Mariners. I don't know if I still believe that, but as a as a as a journalist as I am, I'm willing to stick on what I said. As an unbiased journalist, as an unbiased journalist, I'm sticking to my guns. Yeah, I'm sticking to my guns, dude. It is like it is unbelievably difficult because I think the way you set the scene and the way we've discussed this is like, I can see a way where every single team falls apart, right? You have the the left, the two lefties against the Rays with a team that's kind of playing with nothing to lose. We just saw what the Braves did with nothing to lose against the Cubs. They bludgeoned them. We'll get to that in a second. And the Blue Jays, um, like they, they, well, my mic playing tight. the Blue Jays, they don't score runs when Kevin Gosman is on the mound. Yeah. That the too. last Kevin Gosman started, I'm pretty sure he threw a shutout against the Yankees and the Yankees won that game because yeah. the Blue Jays put up zero. Houston, though, man, I keep waiting. I keep waiting to be like, waiting. oh, here's where the where the veteran experience kicks in. Here's where the veteran experience kicks in. And it's just not 
happening. And they're playing against a very desperate team too in, in Arizona. Um, I, it's tough. I like of all of the situations, you know, pitching matchup wise, because I just don't feel great about Houston's situation right now. Um, I, I was a little encouraging to see Javier throw a little bit better, but I, I'm still not all the way like back on, Hey, I, these are the three guys I really trust. Hunter Brown's been brutal. Verlander did throw better the other day, but it's going to be what JP France, Hunter Brown and Verlander. Um, not in that order. It'll be JP France. No, but Verlander, I mean, think Hunter, about this Hunter think Brown about- to end the season. I, I don't feel great about that. I, I'm going to go. I, I love the experience. I've been trying to lean into that. I, the experience might also just be we're, we're, we're fading and exhausted right now. I don't know. I'm going Mariners. I think, I do think the Mariners, overtake Houston, and I think Toronto finds a way to hold on for dear life. What I will say is, too, this is in Arizona, and that matters for these starting pitchers. There is no better pitcher on this planet than Zach Gallon at Chase Field this season. He's rocking an ERA below two. Merrill Kelly at Chase Field, 270 ERA. These guys, you get them in Arizona, they just win. These pitchers, they dominate. JP France on the road, he's got issues. Verlander's had issues on the road kind of his whole career, and it's it's been highlighted this year. I mean, just this year for Justin Verlander, 3-4-2 ERA on the road versus a 3-2-3. So it hasn't been that exacerbated. But historically, this is just not a great spot for Justin Verlander. And then you got a rookie in Hunter Brown. Yeah. The Diamondbacks could realistically sweep this. And that's I'm saying it realistically because the matchups look better for the Diamondbacks this season in terms of the starting pitchers. You could say Merrill Kelly versus Justin Verlander. Verlander's better. That's fine. But Kelly's been much better at home. And this is a spot normally where the Diamondbacks pull out a low-scoring win. And it's not like the Astros' bullpen has been that incredible to lock it down if it's close. And you got the home field advantage. Hunter Brown's got an 8-4-4 ERA over his last eight starts. That's that's 35 earned runs and 37 and a third innings. I almost almost feel that you'd rather have like Kelly face him and just take the L there. It's why I almost feel like you almost have to pass Hunter Brown in the rotation, right? Now you almost go bullpen game. This guy's given up 13 earned runs in his last two starts. That's eight and a third innings. 13 earned runs, six homers. You think four home runs in his last start against his Kansas City Royals. I just, I wonder like, hey, do you think that he's going to be able to keep the ball in the yard in Arizona now? I wonder, maybe they're just going to fall on that sword because Hunter Brown was their guy earlier in the year. And I think he's just fading a little bit with innings and and just getting a little bit tired and, and also just having some understandable struggles. But Man, if it comes down to the final game, are you giving Hunter Brown the ball right now? You're going to have to. Who else are you going to go to? Short leash, I guess. Real short leash. They'll treat it like a playoff game. For that reason, I, especially as you mentioned, like these pitchers in Arizona that love playing at home. Arizona's eight games over 500 at home. They're like one game over 500 on the road. I I, I think this is definitely a tough spot. I would say the, the Astros, yes, they're game up on the Mariners, but you can make the case that there is – in just of a difficult spot as anybody given the matchup and the way the rotation shakes out. But isn't this exactly why we bought stock in the Mariners preseason? Because when the games are on the line, 
they got Castillo and Kirby. And even Gilbert kept them in the game. Like Jordan Montgomery just dominated, but they still won that game because Gilbert pitched great against that Rangers offense. And Wu could struggle here. But if he just keeps them in the game, this Rangers bullpen is suspect. Yeah. And then you got Castillo and Kirby. Like with the Astros, we just keep expecting it. But then you look at the individual game and you think to yourself, well, the Diamondbacks have the edge here. Oh, wait, the next game, they might have an edge again. And then you're throwing a rookie with an 8-4-4 ERA in his last couple of starts. Are they winning any of those games? It's wild to be talking about the Astros that way. And I feel for the Astros because, like, who could have predicted this? Who could yes. have seen, you know, Luis Garcia go down? I mean, who would have thought would be, like, missing or, or Kitty in his last and year's Javier form? regressing. Javier regressing. And then Framber, Framber hasn't even been good. Framber's been struggling. Like, like it, who would have seen this coming? I mean, it was it's pretty much unimaginable. Yeah. And th- that's where it's it's starting to get to the point where it's like, okay, are, are these the same Astros? I think offensively, in a lot of ways, they are. Uh, JP France has been a godsend, but again, I'm not trusting that guy in a big spot. I just I just can't. It's nothing against JP France. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but it's one of those things like I gotta I gotta see it. <laughs> I gotta see it before I believe it. And I'm just trying to like look at pitchers in the second half and and this Astros rotation. Pretty much the only guy that you can count on right now is Justin Verlander. And it's not like he's prime Verlander. In the second half, you've got here's the 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 starting pitch, qualified starting pitchers and, and their ERAs. Justin Verlander leads the way with a three five seven. Framber Valdez has a four six six. Um oh sorry, I skipped JP France, who has a four three seven. That would be the second best. JP France is your second best DRA in the second half. That's saying something. Christian Javier has a 5-1-5, and Hunter Brown has a 6-6-8. I, there, there's not one. I, I, the names look great. You know, and, and when you see the name there, you should, you should feel good. But right now, you don't. The only guy that I feel comfortable with right now getting the ball is Justin Verlander. And it's not the same comfortable that was like, oh, like it's Justin Verlander. He'll, he'll win us the game. It's just, oh, he'll keep us in it. There's one guy right now that I feel like, oh, he'll keep us in it. That's not a good feel. And that's not something I'm used to feeling with the Astros. I wouldn't be shocked if something clicks. But, you know, as we talked about with Lance Brestowski, when he came on, we we're talking about Framber. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I think they'll ID the issue and they'll get it right. But not in the middle of the season when you're trying to make the playoffs. He's not going to tweak his mechanics. He's not going to. It's going to be really hard to, to, to make a major change right now. So it's kind of just tread water and try to survive. and. That's just kind of what I see from this Astros team for the first time in a very long time. And Verlander is not a guy who I ever want to doubt with the season on the line. But what I will say is in that game against the Mariners, he dominated eight innings, three hits, one earned eight strikeouts through 96 pitches. That's a lot on an older pitcher. That's one. It's the one guy I feel confident in right now. Just one. But is he going to be fully ready to go? I mean, it's just that was a big time start. A lot of effort talk about it sometimes in the NFL these teams that were down by nine points at half and then ended up winning the game in their next week they're 38 percent against the spread that's right we just saw that's a fun system yeah we just saw it yesterday um on Thursday night football right with the Green Bay Packers getting annihilated after they beat the Saints yeah right I'm not saying it's the same thing but after a super, super emotional start like that. You might not be at the top of your game, and maybe you are, because honestly, I would be obsessed 
with a Merrill Kelly, Justin Verlander duel for the, all the win, Like, I hope he is at his hundredth percentile. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be difficult. I to 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 your point. And people talk about pitch count, but you know, the, the biggest thing when guys are coming back from injury or, and I know Verlander's not, but in terms of just like maintenance and, and feeling up and, and just being able to to stay, you know, energized and everything is the up downs, right? How many times you, you cool off and then come back up. And as you get older, that's the thing that pitchers kind of talk about is the up downs, like between innings, sitting down and going yep. back up and going into the game. Eight innings is a lot of up downs. And that this was only the third time this year that Justin Verlander's gone eight and the first time since July 19th. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back from that. I think he's gonna be pure adrenaline. I think he's going to throw well, but it's, it's a fair point. And the two starts before that, it was three earned runs. It was five earned runs. It was one. And then it was six. So uh, it's, it's going to be fascinating. I think, again, I think Verlander comes out and throws pretty well. I'm really skeptical about the other two. And if you drop two out of three, you're exposed here. Uh, so I think it's going to be fun. I think it's shaping up perfectly for the chaos. Do you think it's going to be Rays, Blue Jays, Mariners? Yes, I do. All right. That's what we're sticking with. We're sticking with yep. our guns as unbiased sticking journalists. With sticking with it. As, oh, yeah. Unbiased, not stubborn. But I, just genuinely the way it shakes out. I, again, I'm acknowledging that it might might have some goggles on. But I, I hope the way we laid it out can kind of make it you know understandable why why we see it that way. In the National League, the Phillies, they're locked into a playoff spot. And before we even get, should we uh, yeah, get the rest I, of the teams? Let's, let's talk about, about the Bryce Harper, Angel Hernandez meltdown. I mean, Angel Hernandez, I don't know if you saw John Boy. He did a video on it where, with the lip syncing and stuff. He does a great job on that. And Angel Hernandez is just sitting there. You swung. You'll see. And standing there all smug. You'll see. You'll see when you watch the video. We watched the video, Angel. You were wrong for the 878th millionth, millionth, billionth. I can't think of a number big enough to say how many times that you have been wrong. He is by far the worst umpire in Major League Baseball, and it ain't close. Yeah. Well, and people talk about the the, the strikes and balls, and I think by like strikes and balls, he's only like the third worst or whatever it is. That guy whiffs on check swings and, and calls at first base or whatever that get overturned all the time. And, and there's a reason why Bryce Harper reacted that way. Bryce Harper is a pretty calm dude, especially at this point of his career. Like he does, he's had his moments where he gets fired up, but it takes a lot at, at this point. Bryce was livid because they don't respect Angel Hernandez no. because Angel Hernandez doesn't respect the game. I don't think he's even paying attention. Like no. I, I literally think he's clocked out and he, he almost always, I, this is anecdotal for me. I almost always say, see him say he went, because I think he gets off to it, man. He's a freak. Like he he gets off to it because he knows like oh that'll ruffle their feathers. Like he loves the attention, absolutely loves it. We're giving him more. Um, but it's it's amazing how you can be that wrong. It wasn't even close. Wasn't even like close. it wasn't even. I I generally don't get pissed about check swings when it's like anywhere within reason because it's like it's the most arbitrary and weird part about baseball. Like to me, it's the equivalent of like spotting the football. I know that you can do reviews on that, but even then it's like, you're trying to find the knee in a scrum where the ball is spots and foot. And then they bring out the chains and it's like, it's two millimeters short. And I'm like, Oh yeah, they spotted it to the millimeter there. Like it, it's just, that's the arbitrary aspect of sports. You just got to deal with. And I think that's, that's the part of baseball. It doesn't come up enough to be a major issue, but there's some times where you just know it's a horrible spot. And there's some times where, you know, he just didn't swing and he just didn't swing. 
it really wasn't even close. Like Bryce didn't even look up. He it wasn't trying to sell shit. He just knew it was a ball. Uh, and that was that was nuts to me. Also, seeing Harper throw his helmet up into the stands was sick. What a fire souvenir for somebody. And I also love that Bryce Harper, in a moment where the Phillies are already in, is still showing yeah. that much emotion. I mean, that's why Phillies fans love him. And that's why, you know, Bryce Harper was one of the most hated players in Major League Baseball for a little bit. I never so really weird. bought into that, but I could understand why people did. Now, I don't know how you could hate Bryce Harper. He should be. He's like a child's. He's the baseball equivalent of a child celebrity. Of course, like LeBron James in that sense. And LeBron is still loved by many, but hated by a ton. And that was similar for Bryce Harper. But I think like Justin Bieber. He was a little shithead in the beginning. But like, obviously. Yeah. Guy was a guy was literally a child star. (laughs) That's what Harper was at 16. Uh, But he's grown up and he's become one of the more likable guys in the game. It's been a really cool evolution. I'm sure that documentary is going to go crazy in a few years. But yeah, that was funny. And I agree. It was really cool to see Harper care that much, you know, and when they already clinched, as you said. Um, But yeah, I I just love everything. Jack says it. The vibes are always immaculate in Philly. They're just a they're just a fun squad, even when they're pissed off. It's just fun. It's fun stuff. It's great baseball. And that's why I'm so excited to watch them in the playoffs. And congratulations again. Just to wrap up on the Harper thing. Angel Hernandez said he held up on that. I think it was either a two one check swing. I think that was the count. It was the exact same swing. Um, So fuck you, Angel. He probably in his in his convoluted head. He's probably like they were both borderline. You get one. You don't get the other. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a moron. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're one and a half games up above the Miami Marlins. They control their own destiny. Yeah. So if we go by the tiebreaker rules, so the D-backs would beat the Cubs, right? And that's, I think, their competition because they would lose the tiebreaker to the Marlins. Yeah. But I don't know if it's going to matter but it should also be noted that they would lose the tiebreaker to the Reds. Now, the Reds are one and a half games out, so they are not totally out of it. They're not dead. In terms of who these teams are facing next, the Cubs, they got three against the Brewers. The Reds, they have three against the Cardinals. That's why when Jack and I did our episode a couple of days ago, I said, I get it. The Reds are two and a half out. But they face the Guardians and the Cardinals. They have by far the easiest schedule left. Like the Cardinals are a dumpster fire. Yep. They are a complete dumpster fire. And the Diamondbacks have to face the Astros. Yeah. And the Marlins aren't completely out of it yet. So I don't want to sit here and count the Reds out. I want to count the Reds fully in this because they own that tiebreaker over the Cubs. Yeah. So when we look at the Cubs, three games against the Brewers, and if they're tied, they're out. They would yeah. lose to the Diamondbacks, they would lose to the Marlins, and they would lose to the Reds. So in any tiebreaker situation, the Cubs are done. The Reds, though, they would beat the Cubs, and they would beat the D-backs. And the Marlins own every tiebreaker. Which is so crazy. (laughs) They would beat the Cubs, they would beat the D-backs, and they would beat the Reds. So the team that I still think is going to be on the outside looking in is the Cubs. I agree. Reds have the easiest schedule moving forward. The D-backs have the hardest, but they have the lead and their starting pitchers going at home. Yeah, I was about to say. They're in a really good spot. 
I was going to say all the things that we just said about the the Astros, you got to apply it now to 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 the Diamondback side. Yes, it's a tough draw, but I like their chances of taking at least one of these three. I think yeah. we just talked about it. We like them to take two out of three. If they take one of these, they're they're pretty much in. I think. I think they got a pretty pretty solid shot there. So I think the Diamondbacks are in a great spot overall. And with the pitching matchups, like you mentioned, between Kelly and Gallon, I think they're definitely getting one of those with the way it matches up with the Astros. Probably can get two. I think I think that's far fetched for for some of these teams to to, to look at. Um, you never know. Uh, the but for the Marlins, you know, it was crazy how things worked out yesterday because it just applies some crazy unknowns. Do you want to talk about the Marlins situation, the the Cubs situation, or and I'm with you, the Reds. Like if they went out, it's possible because there's there's a really real scenario where. Cubs get spoiled by the Brewers, but also it is worth noting the Brewers are resting all their starters as they should, as is their right. Um, I hope they start their their lineup, you know, and I hope they keep their guys going. But, you know, Brandon, Brandon Woodruff was hurt. Um, you know, Corbin Burns has never thrown a ton of innings. That's, you know, I know he's had his ups and downs with the innings, so I guess he has thrown a lot of innings in the past, but it's probably not a guy you want to run into the ground. Um, and Freddie Peralta's had his injury issues. So, yeah, if you can get them extra rest, do it. So now it's going to be Colin Ray, Adrian Hauser, and and TBD or a bullpen game. That's frustrating. But with the Cubs right now, I don't know if it necessarily matters who's pitching. The Cubs are beating the Cubs. Uh, nobody's beating the Cubs besides themselves right now. So it's really up to them. Let's start. The Marlins is the fascinating aspect. Let's start so we'll with we'll the get Marlins. to that in a second. Let's start yeah, with you the want Marlins. To talk- because I so, want to talk about all these rain delays, and then we'll yeah. go to the Cubs, and then we'll go to the Reds. Because I'm the reason while you were talking, and I'm sitting here just chuckling to myself, I'm looking at these Reds-Cardinals starting pitching matchups, and I'm like, God damn it. The, for the, no one for deserves the title. Playoffs, for the title. It's like yeah. Hunter Green versus Miles Michaelis. Like those are the two aces on each side. And I'm like, oh, God, that's an over, right? <laughs> that's an over. And then we're looking at Drew Rom versus Connor Phillips at the second to last game of the year. It's just, but right. let's talk Appointment about the television for the wild card. <laughs> Drew Rom versus Connor Phillips. It's like, yeah, I'm good. Um, so it's wild. So for those who may not be keeping up in the situation in, in Queens, they had a, and Jack and I talked about this, but this started a couple of days ago or a day ago because it had been raining over the weekend. They had a soccer match six days ago, or now it would be over a week ago. And I guess the combination of the soccer match and them not covering the field resulted in it just being unplayable after it didn't even rain basically the day of the game, but it was just. The 0.05 inches of rain was enough for them to just not be able to get the field ready. I mean, they fully botched it. I'm in New York right now. It is pouring and it will not stop pouring. Yeah. It's these tropical storms. They are crushing us right Which now. Which is crazy because they had the window, though. The Yankees got games in Sunday, oh, Monday. Yeah. yeah. It, there's no excuse for the Mets to not be able to get that game in. They don't get it in. Whatever. You, you played the doubleheader. The Marlins split it. They, they're not thrilled about it, but it could have went worse. It shouldn't be thrilled about that. That stunk. No. That was unfair. No, and the worst part about that is it cost them a Braxton Garrett start because they yep. got Braxton there, but he would have went on the last game of the season against a team where he went seven shutty with 13 punch outs. So in the Pirates, so they lose that, you know, because he doesn't have the time to go either. He'll have to go short rest, which I don't think they'll do with him uh, or they'll, they'll try to figure something else out. So that part sucks. Then last night, Unbelievable comeback late in the game 
to, to be able to take the lead, Jazz Chisholm backside double. I mean, just so clutch. He's a frustrating player at times, but you can't say he's not uh, you know there for the big moments. I'll tell you that. And they come back, take the lead. They have a runner on second base. It starts raining. Problem number one is what do they usually do when they know weather's coming in? They move the game time up, especially when you don't have any wiggle room here and you have wild card implications. To me, it seemed like the Mets just don't give a shit. Their yeah. season's over. And they didn't care if the game was was finished or not. And I don't even think it, it crossed their minds. Maybe that should have come from MLB. I don't know how the whole procedure there, but they should have moved the start time up. And I, I believe that that's on the individual team. They don't move the start time up knowing that the weather would come in. If they move the start time up 30 minutes, that game is done. They finish yep. it. Yep. They probably should have tried to finish it in the rain, knowing that there was no way that rain was stopping. To your point, it hasn't stopped since. So now the Marlins are up one run in the top of the ninth inning with two outs, and they got a runner in scoring position. People were asking, well, oh, if it gets rained out now, does it revert back to the last inning? No, that's that does not how it works anymore. Thank goodness they got rid of that. So the way it's going to work is it's going to be postponed to Monday. If the Marlins can make it to where that game is not important, right, like it has no implications, they won't play it. So if the Marlins sweep and they can't catch Arizona, but they're solidified in the spot and there's no standing implications – they won't play it. I think it's more likely that it has implications than it doesn't. Yeah. So there's a very real scenario. And I'm 90% sure I got this right. I double checked with Craig Mish. There's a very real scenario that the Marlins will have to fly to fucking New York. Start the ninth inning, probably ground out immediately with two outs. Immediately. And then they're basically flying there for Tanner Scott to go get three outs. Everyone's going to be looking at that dude That's on the, sick. on who just had a kid, by the way, <laughs> he was going to be sitting on that plane and everyone's like, all right, man, we're flying to New York for you to go close this shit out. That is crazy. Tanner, Tanner Scott's had big donkey balls all year. So like I'm here for it. Now he's got dad strength, but this is mayhem. Like the, the game, the season could come down to a half of an inning where fans won't be allowed to attend where uh, that's where the last time the Marlins thrived and just see if you can get three outs for a team that doesn't give a shit and probably doesn't even want to be there in the Mets. And it's going to happen, Arm. They have three against the Phillies, right? Is that just some easy sweep? No shot. I think it's going to matter. Well, for, for who? The Marlins have the no, Marlins. Marlins are pirates. Well, the, the Marlins. Oh, I'm an idiot. I said I was looking at the Mets remaining schedule. The Marlins remaining schedule is the Pirates. So realistically, they could sweep there. That's the on Pirates me. are playing good ball. Yeah. Since David but Ross Mitch Keller, a shit team. Mitch Keller just got shut down for the rest of the season. You won't see him. That was huge. Uh, like they don't have the toughest. I don't know. Actually, like, I'm curious what the matchup is here. But to your point, like, I still think it's very the, the Marlins don't sweep anybody. They swept the Braves on that one off. Like they always they take two out of three. Like that's just been what they do. Um, if they take two out of three, that game's probably going to matter. And you're going to have what? All of Central, you know, Central America, basically the Midwest watching uh, a half of an inning praying for a team that like wants to go home and to their families and call it a season to, to come back and extend this ball game. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. And just shout out. Jesus Zardo. Oh yeah, dude. Dominated. I, the, I can't wait to get him back on the show. I don't want to bother him until the season's over, but I mean, that guy at career high in innings, you've seen so many guys fade. This yep. is a team he grew up 
rooting for. Grew up going to the ball games, and he has a chance to send him to the playoffs. I don't count 2020, so <laughs> to send him to the playoffs for the first time since he was six years old. And I think it's so cool that he just rises to the occasion. Seven and a third, one run that was charged to him, but it was given up by Nardi on a little flare. Yeah. Um, Ten punch outs, more than 200 strikeouts a season. I think it's the third most strikeouts in a single season by a Marlins pitcher. And I know the Marlins don't have the most incredible history, but they've had some good arms. Yeah, they've had some good arms through the years. Shout out Jesus Lizardo, who honestly, we've been talking about it. You know, Yuri shut it, shut down for the season. Sandy shut down for the season. Probably might get time. We'll talk about that on another episode. And when I saw that that Jacksonville start, it was tough. Um who gets the ball if the Marlins like who are you giving the ball in a must-win game for the Marlins right now? Oh, Lazardo. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. Not quite. Pit- <laughs> no, I don't think so. Let's talk about a team who is very depressing. We talked about the Cubs free fall a couple of days ago, and unfortunately, it did not stop. The Cubs now sit a half game out of the wild card chase. Remember, they're not out of it yet. They have these three games against the Brewers. But the issue is that, again, they do not own the tiebreaker. They would lose to the D-backs. They would lose to the Marlins. They would lose to the Reds. So to get in, they have to sweep. I don't think they Pretty sweep. Much. You have to assume, I mean, imagine you have to assume the Marlins are going to win that game, even though they might not. You have to assume the Marlins are going to win that postponed game. I think, like, I think just if, if I'm the Cubs manager, I'm saying you're a game out right now. You know, it, you, yeah. that's that's what it is. Your game out. You got to assume that the Marlins are winning that that game. So, because it's literally house money, they're only going to finish it if necessary, and they're finishing a game where they have a runner in scoring position. They're up one already and arrested closer, most likely. I I I really think that they've got a sweep too. I agree. Or the Marlins have to drop three, which I just don't see happening. I don't see it happening with, with Mitch Keller scratched with the and way then you that also the have the Reds on their tail facing the Cardinals. Yeah. Like while the Brewers, you know, they might rest some starting pitchers. The Cardinals are not good and the Pirates are not good. Yeah. So your remaining teams and then your other competition, the Diamondbacks, they're ahead of you. They own the tiebreaker and they got their studs going at home. That's why I think when we predicted the Cubs would be the odd team out, they just had to face a gauntlet. And then when you are in it against the Braves winning in two of those games and end up losing, and then in the third game where you absolutely need a win, and Marcus Stroman is just getting beaten the hell out of. And it wasn't like, you look at the box score and it wasn't terrible, right? You didn't give up 10 earned runs or anything. I watched every out of that game. Yeah. Everything he was like a guy was hard. who came off the IL, you know, everything was hard and they just yeah. really didn't have a shot. Then moving forward, like Marcus Stroman versus AJ Smith Shaver and you lose. Yeah. That felt like the season. And really when say I dropped that ball, that felt like the all season. on say because say didn't blow the six run lead. Right. No. So it's not all on him either. But there's always those like defining moments defining that like, punctuate moment it. Yeah. Felt like the season was because now they travel into Milwaukee. Like imagine what they're all talking about on the plane ride over there. It's got to be the most depressing shit it's of tense. all time. It's tense. It's tense. Buttholes clenched. I, I, you know, I know Ross, uh, you know, Ross is the, the player's manager, but you got to oh. wonder if they're questioning him a little bit now. Oh, they have to be at this deal. You know, Steel looked livid. Cubs fans comments. They want him gone. They have, they've been wanting him gone. 
Yeah. And this is the player's manager, but I do think like, yeah, this it's the player's manager when you're not playing for much and they hadn't been playing for much the last couple of years. When you're in the hunt and you feel like your manager may have, you know, played a part in you coming up short. And I'm sure the players will come out and say it was us. It was us. And I do think it was them too. Yeah. But when you feel uh-huh. like you, you, your manager's not pushing the right buttons, it's kind of hard to play that way too. And, and I wonder, you know, if they're just starting to lose hope. I mean, it wasn't just the fact that they got swept by the Braves. A lot of people get swept by the Braves and a lot of teams get swept by the Braves. It was a clinched Braves that honestly, like they were playing from behind the whole series. It felt like the Braves were, yeah. and they would just come back and win. I mean, the last series, the last game, they, they were in the driver's seat, most of it, but just two comebacks that just seemed like backbreaking. And I know that the one thing that they have working in their favor, the Cubs do, is that again, you you don't have, you know, the the A team of pitchers going against you with with Colin Ray and Hauser and whatever it is. But did you know? I mean, this is a rivalry. You know, the Brewers would love to spoil it. Oh, and yeah. the Brewers just played the Marlins, and they just beat the brakes off them. And I, I think that they would probably be fine. They don't give a shit, right? Oh. They probably might even prefer to play the Marlins. Again, they just beat the brakes off of them for the most part. So I, I think they would love to play spoiler. I think they would love to knock the Cubs out of this thing. And, you know, don't be mistaken just because they're not starting their 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 top arms. This lineup isn't going to go easy on you. They just activated Garrett Mitchell. Um, we'll see. You know, he was awesome before he went down. And I saw him in, in AAA. He looked Definitely looked like his legs were ready. He was flying. He had a triple that I think could have been an inside the park home run. Um, you know, th- that's a spark plug for you. I mean, they replaced Brian Anderson with with Garrett Mitchell. So uh, they're definitely adding some some little pieces here. Tonaldson's weirdly been good. Um, that they're not gonna they're not gonna roll over. And I, I think that I think the standings hold. I do. And you know, I'm, I'm usually first to say Marlins aren't making it. I, I'm finally believing. I think the Marlins are going to get in. I think the Diamondbacks are going to get in. And not only are the Cubs not going to get in, I think when after October 1st, which is the last day of the regular season, the Reds are ahead of the Cubs. Because think about it. If the Reds take two of three and the Brewers lose two of three, the Reds own the tiebreaker and they're above them. Now, both wouldn't make the playoffs. But don't you think that's reasonable? Reds no, versus Cardinals, like a Cubs versus be Brewers? I think you get a payout from MLB based on where you finish, and you know Castellani's going to love that. Oh, or Castellani. That's all so. he's in for. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. Reds fans would love that consolation prize. Yeah. That'd be pretty funny. A couple million dollars that they won't spend on free agents. No, no. Is that what you think is going to happen, or do you think at least the Cubs hold that audible bed shit to the wild card? I, or do you I, think they make it in? I just I can't see it anymore. I think the energy think- is gone. I think the bullpen is done. And they face the Brewers who want to play spoiler, who are just are a better team. And the other teams in the competition with you, Diamondbacks are at home with their studs and they already own the tiebreaker and a one and a half game lead. So the team that has as hard of a schedule as you moving forward already has a one and a half game lead and owns the tiebreaker. The Marlins, they face the Pirates and they own the tiebreaker with no Mitch Keller. And the Reds face the Cardinals and own the tiebreaker. The Cubs are in the worst spot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going into yesterday, according to fan graphs, I think the Marlins had a 69% chance to make the playoffs. And of course, that went up given, I don't know how you could properly, you know, identify the percentages given the, the state of that game that's 98% finished. But, 
you know, it's got to be in the 75, 80% range at this point. And I don't subscribe to the probabilities too much, but once they start to get to like a, a certain number, you can start to just kind of look at that and say, okay, the odds are in their favor. And, and I think, you know, when you look at the way it shakes out, I mean, the way that the Cubs have kind of fallen apart and you got to figure like the, just the, the frustration side of it and things like that, they've got to be, they've got to be kind of fading here, but you never know. I, I think the Reds could end up surpassing them, to be honest. I'm with you, too. I think Connor Phillips is going to throw well. I think Votto's got them playing loose and, you know, just trying to have fun on these last three games. And and I think they'll end up sneaking two out of three out of that. So that was the wild card in the American League. We got the Rays, Blue Jays, and the Mariners. And in the National League, we have the Phillies, the Diamondbacks, and the Cubs. Transitioning. If you are a fan of baseball, you got to love what the Orioles just did. So the Orioles just won their 100th game. They clinched the American League East. The first time the Orioles have won 100 games since 1980. And they rattled off three straight 100 win seasons in 1969, 1970, and 1971. There's a possibility that we are seeing a dynasty form. And this stat from Sarah Langs. Teams enter each series trying to win a series, but even just avoiding being swept is worth noting. To that end, the Orioles have now gone 91 straight series without being swept, a streak that will carry into 2024. That's the third most consecutive series of multiple games without being swept. Per Elias, they trail only the 1942 to 1944 Cardinals and the 1903 to 1905 Giants. The Orioles Backs against the wall, they are the best team in modern baseball in the 21st century. This Orioles team, Grayson has stepped up, Kyle Bradish has stepped up, and they need to be in deep consideration to win the World Series. Yeah, I, I, which just breaks my brain because I'm so used to the traditional, like, you need three horses or at least, like, two aces, and you got to – fuck it, man. <laughs> like, throw it out the window. They've got an elite bullpen. Bradish is throwing like a frontline guy. We just talked about him last episode, the, the the way he's been throwing lately. And I mean, they they've just got it going on, man. They've just got the recipe. If they get Yoshinobu Yamamoto, which I really hope they do, because this play, if they make a little playoff run, it's a they lot won't. more capital, a lot yeah, of lot they, more money coming in. Yeah, they won't. I know, I know. Like they, like, they do, I, I want jersey. to think so. How many times have we done this? Like, are the next year they? Oh, I know, I know. If they get Yamamoto, I'm buying a jersey though. Regardless, we'll focus on this season. The day, and, and you mentioned dynasty, and the thing that clicked in my mind the second you said that was there's not a day that could encapsulate how the Orioles are not going anywhere anytime soon than yesterday because they win their 100th game at the big league level the same day the Norfolk Tides win the AAA uh, championship. And yeah, I mean, do does winning championships matter that much? I mean, the Rays do it every year across the entire farm system, and they're perpetually good. I the reason why it hits a little bit harder for me is Jackson Holiday hits a big home run uh, to to help win that game. He's the number one prospect in baseball. Kobe Mayo was four for fucking four with a pair of bombs, and and he's a top twenty prospect in baseball. Then you've got you know uh, you had Cade Povich also guest of the call up who threw that game, shoved. He's going to be a rotation piece for them. You've got several other, you got Joey Ortiz. I can go on and on and on. You got several top 100 prospects on that team. Several other prospects who are, you know, 50 future value guys, which are, you know, top 10 in basically any system in Major League Baseball. And that's the AAA team. So it's just remarkable. Like, not only are they loaded at the top, they've got so much talent coming up. 
I I have talked about it a little bit, and I the the last time I'm going to say that they're going to make a trade is in December, because they're going to have a forty man crunch. They're not going to have a choice. So I hope that that will finally be the time that we see them make a move, because a lot of these Norfolk Tide guys who just won a championship, congratulations to them. Shout out to Kobe Mayo as well. Uh, he's the homie. Check out that interview on the call up. Also, really cool dude. Um, funny thing he did on Twitter. I'll get to in a second. Um, it, it, it they got to figure out spots for these guys in the 40 man roster. So, I mean, it's just a fun time to be an Orioles fan, man. If I think if, if somebody asked me, like they came from, from Europe and they just wanted to pick a baseball team, kind of like the way, like I'll ask my friends, I watch soccer. I'm like, who should my premier league team be? I haven't decided yet. Um, I would say the Orioles, right? Who would, who would you say? I would say the I would Orioles. Say the Orioles. Yeah. I mean, you're not you're, so much fun. You're running out of time, but like right now you could still pull it off and not be a front runner. I mean, think about it. If you don't really follow baseball, you don't know the big teams that are spending in free agency. So maybe that's not even on your radar. I have a team with a great ballpark, a great fan base, a young and exciting team with an incredible farm system that is probably the number one in all of baseball. When I say yeah. probably, I mean, it is. It is. There is no other pick here. No. I the just only wish they spent the owner kind of sucks balls, but most of them do. So it's fine. <laughs> exactly. Like every, every team has their ownership problem. So talked about the Orioles. Congrats on them clinching the wild card. The only thing we have left just baseball's minor league hitter of the year. Arm Layton. Who is it? Now we'll stay on topic here. <laughs> Jackson holiday, man. There's certain things that I look at here. Um, of course, just overall statistics. But something I wanted to bake into it this year, and I'm going to write this all all out because we had to get this episode out quickly. Um, it won't be linked in the episode description, but look out on justbaseball.com by Monday, and I'll have a full breakdown on you know what they did so well and and why you know Jackson Holiday is the minor league hitter of the year. But I think another aspect that I wanted to bake into it is levels climbed because it's not just about putting up the numbers. Putting up the numbers while climbing three levels is absolutely remarkable. And Jackson Holiday just didn't stop at any level. I'll give you the overall numbers, including the playoffs, because I want to include the playoffs here. This dude slashed in 125 games. That is a long ass season, by the way, for a high school kid. He probably played 40 games, you know, in high school. And 125, like your body fades, especially as you're trying to keep up with triple and you're 19 years old. He hit 323, 442. 499, 17% walk rate, 20% K rate, 12 home runs, 30 doubles, nine triples, 101 walks, 118 strikeouts. This dude is an animal. And you look at the numbers by level. He started the year, and so this guy's actually climbed four levels. He started the year in low A, where he had a 226 WRC+. They bring him up to high A, he has a 162 WRC+. They bring him up to double A, he has a 154 WRC+. They bring him up to triple A, where all of the offensive numbers are inflated. He has a 109 WRC+, which is remarkable for a 19-year-old. One last quick note on him, and this is by Baseball America, and I think this is fascinating. Of the 23 high school position players selected with the number one pick, Holiday became only the fifth to play in double A or higher in his first full pro season. You ready for the company? Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, Harold Baines, and then this guy, Mike Ivey. He's like the clown behind the, the other four guys in, in the army suits, uh, you know, in that meme. But like, dude. This is just special generational type stuff. Four levels. 
in one year. And guess what? Next year they'll find a, they'll find a spot for him on the big league roster. Might not be opening day, but they'll find a spot for him sometime next year. Jackson Holiday, just baseball's minor league hitter of the year. Arm Layton, who is our minor league pitcher of the year? These kids are getting crazy, man. Another 19-year-old. And this was harder because, you know, for me on the pitching side, I want, I want, I gotta give it to guys who have thrown innings. Yeah, I, I want to see guys that throw at least at least hundred innings. Robbie Snelling, the Padres don't give a shit. They usually ba- every team babies their high school pitchers. Not Robbie Snelling, not the Padres. This 19-year-old climbed three levels, started in low A, pitched to a 157 ERA in 51 and in two-thirds innings, walks nobody, strikes out more than 10 per nine. They bring him up to high A in 34 innings, a 234 ERA, strikes out more than 10 per nine, walks less than three per nine. Then they bring the 19-year-old up to double A for four starts, and he pitches to a 156 ERA. Just remarkable stuff from a high school lefty. Cumulatively, that gives you 103 and two-thirds innings, 118 strikeouts, a 182 ERA, and just 34 walks. This dude only gave up four home runs when most of the parks that he's playing at are very, very hitter-friendly. Snelling is special, crazy athlete who was, you know, four-star football recruit, power five offers as a linebacker. Uh, but just the command, the stuff continuing to get better. To have the feel to pitch from the left side at 19 years old, fastball that's 93-94, uh, hammer of a curveball, changeup that has looked good when he has the feel for it. It's a true three-pitch mix. It's great command. This guy's going to climb quickly. And for me, he was the most impressive and most consistent pitcher in the minor leagues this year. And let me guess, our minor league team of the year, the Norfolk Tides, is that fair? Uh, minor league team of the century. <laughs> as far as I can go back, I mean, unbelievable. So, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. I feel like we did our best to give you the weekend preview. We went over all the important series. We got Reds Cardinals. We got Cubs Brewers, Mariners versus Rangers, Astros versus Diamondbacks, and plenty of others. Enjoy the weekend, folks. We'll be back on Monday. That's Arm Laden. I'm Peter Apple. Appreciate you guys listening. And if you did like the episode, if you could rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whether that be five-star review or a written review, we'd greatly appreciate it. And then how about on YouTube? If you enjoyed, hit that subscribe button, the like button, and comment who you think is going to finish in those final three wildcard spots in both leagues. And if you agree or disagree with our minor league hitters or pitchers of the year, I doubt you will because those stats from Arm Layton, they convinced me. I hope they convinced you. And the best way to support, again, if you're if you'd be willing to get yourself some just baseball merch i'm rocking a just baseball tee arms rocking the hat get yours in the episode description and that'll do it we'll be back on monday that's arm again i'm peter and with that thank you everybody <laughs>